0: You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 296 with Esther Blunt. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Esther on the show today. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I have been doing episodes where we're talking about hormones, especially with perimenopause. I have such a passion for helping moms that are approaching 40s and in their 40s, especially with hormones. And so I just want you guys to know that you're not alone in this. This was one of the reasons I started this whole podcast. And as I have evolved, the podcast has evolved. And you know, as I've gotten out of talking about infants and sleep training and all that kind of stuff, I really have shifted into focusing on the mom's themselves if you haven't noticed that with the with the podcast over the years. And why that is so important to me is because I feel like if as moms we are not feeling our best, we can't show up as moms as our best. And so I really want to be able to provide you guys knowledge and I also want to be able to inspire you. I want you guys to feel encouraged and I feel like our hormones when we're going into our 40s can really cause a lot of havoc and it can make you feel like you're crazy. It can make you feel like what is really wrong with me. And then I don't think there's a lot of information out there. And I think we just think this is normal. And then we accept that this is the way of life and that there's no solution. And so I really hope you guys enjoy this. I hope that you get a lot of knowledge from it. Please message me. Um, when I post this to social media, I would love for you guys to share this tag me, um, That way, it lets me know that you guys are really enjoying certain topics that I'm bringing onto the show, and it will help me to keep providing you guys the information that you need and that you want. But if you have friends that feel like their hormones are all out of whack and they could benefit from this show please share this episode with them. I really don't want women to feel like they have no solution, that they feel like this is what the rest of their life is going to look like. And after you hear this episode with Esther, I feel like it's going to really give you a lot of encouragement. And I think it's going to make you think twice about um, how do you approach your hormones? How do you approach your 40s? And again, it opens your eyes that even though you're not nearing your fifties or in your fifties that our hormones can greatly change during this decade. And we kind of have to look into it in order to feel our best. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Esther, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Okay. Esther. So I like to ask icebreakers to start off every show. And, um, I just love to leave my listeners a little bit inspired. So I'm going to change the question a little bit for you. Um, I like to ask, what is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? And because we're talking about hormones, especially perimenopause, um, I would love to ask you, what is one thing that you wish you could have told your younger self, like right before perimenopause that might have helped you go into this part of your life?
1: Well, It's interesting because Amber, I was so sick for the past like 15 years with Lyme and mold. And my insomnia was like one of my biggest symptoms was insomnia and brain fog. And so I, and I was so nervous. I was like, shoot, if it's bad now, it's going to get even worse in perimenopause and menopause. And I'm so happy to say like, I'm a year into my treatment and I'm on, uh, hormone replenishment at this point. And, um, you know, my sleep is better than it's been in years. And I'm actually feeling like I'm aging in reverse, which is just oh, the that's most amazing. awesome thing. So I think if I told myself like, don't worry, girl, you got this. Like, <laughs> yeah, then yeah. I think that would have just taken a lot of worry and, and concern off my plate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. So do you feel like the hormone, um, you called it replenish, right? Versus replacement. Is that the same or do you just like that word better?
1: It's the same. I just like that word better because I'm not on the full high dose of estrogen yet. Oh. I'm on just the lowest of low of low got doses because my body absorbs it really well. Nice. Okay. So my levels got really, really high. So now, you know, I'm kind of and this is a lesson for everyone, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm on bioidenticals. Uh, yeah. I'm on, let's just open the kimono here, yeah. right? I'm on biased cream and I'm on, um, progesterone trochies, which is, or, um, and I haven't needed testosterone yet, but, okay. um, to progesterone, I take like a hundred milligrams, but my estrogen, the biased cream, I was taking 0.05 mLs and now I can only take like 0.01 mLs like every other day. You know, I've had to kind of back off because I was getting a lot of breast tenderness. But I will say like the urinary symptoms are so much better. I don't wake up peeing a million times a night. Like I sleep so much better. My sleep, like I close my eyes. I meditate every night and I close my eyes and I wake up and I'm like, oh, that was nice. Like it's really nice now. So
0: I love it. I it was going to ask you this. Okay. Difference. So <laughs> this is going to be what I was going to ask you in the middle, but like, because yeah. you're talking about this, I want to, this, this podcast episode is probably going to be all over the place, but this is what happens <laughs> it when it's like, wait a minute, like, wait, I have to ask you this. So, um, with the, that, you know, you were talking about urinating and all that. So that's all connected to your estrogen. Is that what you're saying? It is, it oh. is because as your estrogen declines, yeah, right. It changes the, a, it
1: changes thins the structure of the vaginal wall, but Mm. also the urethra. So the whole genital urinary system. Okay. And also like, I never got pelvic floor therapy after my son was born. People told me like, Oh, sex hurts after childbirth. I never knew that was not normal. And then I started peeing like three to seven times a night um, and for years. And everyone was like, Oh, you're toxic. You have this, you have that. No one said to me, You know, you really have a weak pelvic floor that never got fixed. And so one of my girlfriends, thank God for our girlfriends, right? One of my girlfriends was like, oh, yeah, I started seeing, you know, um, like a urologist who works in a gynecology practice. And he, you know, really cleaned up my pelvic floor. You know, he prescribed PT for me. And I was like, oh, I think I need that, too. Yeah, right. So I went to a pelvic floor therapist who I call my magician and um, <laughs> and it. she totally, she was like, you're not actually weak. You're, you're hypertonic. You're like clenching too much to oh. so you hold your stress. But either way, your bladder like can't expand, um, all the way if you don't release these internal trigger points. So she would work on me. I had like a wand that I used at home that you like insert vaginally and you press against the trigger points until they release. And it actually feels good. It's like, you know, when you get your um, cuticles massaged uh, Mm -hmm. or cleaned up at a manicure place, you're like, this is kind of weird, but it kind of feels good. Like that's how pelvic floor therapy feels to me. It's kind of weird, but kind of, you feel better after. So. Okay. That got me peeing, but d- my peeing down to like two to three times a night, but I'm still up two to three times wow. a night. Once yeah. I started adding in the estrogen after a couple months, it mm-hmm. went away. And I was got like, it. Oh my God, I'm only up once a night now. And that's amazing. And so it all, you know, yeah. the, the estrogen really yeah. impacts your genital urinosis, yeah. And it also prevents atrophy of the clitoris. Oh. which hello like sexual satisfaction libido yeah. you know, i
0: mean yeah that comes in handy well and that's the thing i think a lot of times people think when they're getting older especially at getting closer to menopause that um i've seen like you know how you were saying it atrophies and that um, it gets thinner, and then it can tear easier. Like all these things, I was like, "Wait, well, I don't yeah. even." I'm like, "I didn't know all this is going on." I think the main thing people think is just it gets dry, and that's the issue. And so, um, you're dealing. So you're saying when it atrophies, then yeah. that's making it more likely that you will have to urinate more. Yes,
1: and you're okay. more prone to UTIs, and um, it it's really you you. The delicate balance that's already in the vaginal region really gets disrupted. Wow.
0: Okay. So, with UTIs, what is it? What is the estrogen helping in regards to? What is it? I guess what's happening? Why are you getting UTIs when your estrogen's dropping?
1: Yeah. Well, estrogen really maintains the structural integrity of the tissues of mm. the vaginal wall and yeah. the genitourinary tract. So, Um, I, if you're atrophying, I suppose bacteria can't pass through, you know, I don't know all uh, the biomechanics, but I'm guessing, you know, bacteria aren't moving through as quickly or you're not cleaning the region. I'm not exactly sure on that. I I just, I just read the research part, but not the structural piece. But if anyone wants to comment on us, by all (laughs) means, put it in
0: Oh, but right. Okay, so all right. So now that I'm going all out of order, um, all right. Let's back up a little bit. But I did want to address that because you said that I loved that you were talking about that you're like aging backwards, and I think that's so key. And I don't think that people realize. You know, you said that with about UTIs, and I feel like I've heard that older women say, like in nursing homes or something, they get UTIs a lot, which always was like interesting to me. I'm like, why are these? women, why are older women getting UTIs? But, but like what you just said, that makes sense to me. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, so I, I it's just, I don't think that we want, I don't think we're even taught this stuff. I don't even think anybody no. really knows anything about this. Okay. And, um, I think people, honestly, this is why I keep doing these episodes. People yeah. are probably so tired of me talking about perimenopause. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's like me growing up. I'm like, do you have PMS? Like, do you, do you you get a headache? Do you get these things? And people, I think just look at me and especially if they were on the pill, they didn't, they didn't have those symptoms. And I just felt like, man, am I just like by myself, like with all of this? And um, because most people just go on the pill and then they wouldn't know what their symptoms would have been. And so I just felt like I'm the only person dealing with this. And I feel like perimenopause is going to be another thing that could be like this but it's a big chunk of time. It's not just PMS where it's happening right before your cycle. It's like years. And years. so, so <laughs> I don't want women to just be like, what is happening? And everybody has different symptoms. Like, so I could say I have something and then someone else could say, oh, no, I don't have that, but I have this. And you may be thinking, oh, well, you don't have perimenopause." menopause. No, that could be their version of it. The, the thing that I think about is pregnancy, right? people do not have the same symptoms with pregnancy. It's like you could have something and this person totally doesn't have that. And I, I totally got um, nauseous and sick till 19 weeks. I know people who never got sick, which I'm right. like, that is really not fair. But like, you know what I'm saying? It's just everything's so different. And so I think perimenopause is probably very similar to that, that it could be so different and the symptoms probably range. And so this is why I just like want to keep talking about this and hammering it uh, until people really kind of get the idea that like, it's not just happening at 54 right before you go into menopause. Cause I swear this is what people are thinking. It's like, well, I'm not in my fifties and it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter. And so, right. um, so let's Can go- we circle back. Can we yeah. just
1: finish up? I want to <laughs> yeah. circle back one more time to that UTI explanation yeah. Too, yeah. is that you know, one thing, um, you know, my magician told me was I had an episiotomy in childbirth and she told me that there is a much higher likelihood of incontinence mm. with episiotomies. Oh, and she was like, if you Makes did sense. not address this, mm. you would be incontinent when you're older. And I look at my mother mm. who really, you know, struggles like at no one's business with bladder issues, and incontinence issues. And She had episiotomies with, she has three children, right? And so, and I was like, mom, and she's a postpartum nurse. And I said, did anyone ever talk to you about pelvic floor therapy? She's like, no, I know I'm supposed to do Kegels, but I forget. So, you Mm. know, so what happens in nursing homes is a lot of people become incontinent and they're sitting in diapers that aren't changed regularly enough. So that's also going to do a UTI.
0: Okay. This is good. Yeah. There's
1: all those pieces. So, ladies, please get your pelvic floor checked. It's covered a lot by insurance. It falls under the physical therapy umbrella. Most people have that. Yeah. Under insurance benefits. And it is so, so, so important to make time to make sure your pelvic floor region is strong and you're releasing your trigger points. And then you ultimately do hip bridges and you do squats and you do deadlifts and you do, you know, Pilates or things that re- yoga, things that really strengthen. The pelvic that is interesting. Floor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I want to ask
0: you, do you, so do you feel like people who had C-sections, do they probably not have this issue?
1: It could be different, mm. um, but you know, pregnancy puts a strain yes. on the, the
0: Laura also. So yes.
1: I don't see why it would be that. T- I mean, yes, they're, they're not tearing.
0: Right. Um,
1: but they could still the- have it just because
0: of the pressure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: You can still, you know, ladies like who, when you're think about how you pee, right. There's when you're squatting over the toilets, you don't want to sit in a public restroom or you don't want to sit at the bathroom at work. Right. Or you're doing the power peaks. You're like, I don't have time. Ugh, let me yeah. just get it all out. Right. Yeah. All of those things weaken the pelvic floor. You're supposed oh. to really sit and breathe and oh. like just let your pee come out on wow. its own. You, you have all the muscles you need. That's very do, interesting. Like get <laughs> yeah. pee out on its own. The same goes for pooping. If you're straining to poop, that if is constipated, right. yep. that is going to weaken the pelvic floor too.
0: Okay. So if people are like, okay, where do I go look for this? Like the pelvic floor place? Like where, what, what are you looking up to try to find these people to get therapy or to get checked to see if you even need it?
1: Yeah. Well, you can Google pelvic floor PT mm. or, you know, a gynecologist's office. Now my gynecologist never told me about it, Oh, but you can look up, you know, urology, uh, urogynecology. There are urologists that specialize in gynecological issues. Um, and just start asking your friends, start asking on Facebook groups and social media, truly. And, um, there is, there's a wonderful doctor, Sarah Re- Reardon, who I follow on Instagram. She's the vagina whisperer. Oh, <laughs> wow. And there's also, um, Andrea Allen is also very good. She helps women heal diastasis recti and yeah. that helps heal the pelvic floor as well. Mm. So
0: that is and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just, you know, I bet you could post in the comments of any of those, how do I find a pelvic floor PT? And some okay. woman is going to be like, let me help you sister.
0: Yeah, that is good to know. Okay. So I, I just wanted to kind of help those women. Um, if, if they've never heard this or they have kind of been on the fence and, um, you know, just like, I, I don't really know, but let's, let's go back. Cause now that we've talked almost for 15 minutes, I haven't even introduced you. Um, oh my gosh. It's like, I know I've been doing this for you know five and a half years, but Hey, who knows who you are? Okay. So tell us your name, where you live and how many kids you have. I'm Esther Blum.
1: I live in a small town, 50 miles North of New York city called Weston, Connecticut. And I have a 15 year old son.
0: Awesome. Um, okay, so Esther, tell us how you got to where you are today. Like, what what made you want to help women figure out their hormones, and you know, just what why why did you get to this point that you're like so passionate about it?
1: Well, so my clients have really grown with me. I mean, I've always treated people older than me, younger than me, but my clients have pretty much grown with me. So, um, I've written four books prior to this and now I have another book coming out called see you later, ovulator, mastering menopause through nutrition hormones and self-advocacy. And so clients more and more people kept coming to me in perimenopause in menopause. And, you know, when the universe knocks, I answer. And so I really was like, wow, this is an incredibly large blind spot in my functional medicine training. Of course, I really learned a lot about gut health and autoimmunity, but I really didn't understand. I mean, I was treating hot flashes, but I really, you know, I'd throw some vitamin E and rhubarb at it, which was, or borage oil, primers oil. And that helped a lot of people, but I wasn't really understanding hormones. So I really started running tests in my practice and started looking at gut function and hormones and cortisol. And um, thankfully, I have many physician mentors who really took me under their wing and have taught me so much about hormones to the point where I was like, I need to write a book about it because women are going to their doctors um, with, you know, all the menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms and are just kind of giving a pat on the shoulder And I said, well, that's just menopause and like sent home without any remedies at all. And I was like, this is crap. Mm -hmm. And um, I absolutely I was like, we have all the tools we need. And there are tons of doctors that will prescribe hormones. So I wanted to really um, teach people what I do in practice and say, these are the tests that you need to have done. This is what you need to look at um, and teach women that it's not only safe, but effective to actually start hormone replacement when you're in perimenopause, as as long as you're a candidate and you're working with a doctor. Okay. This is all, you know, assuming all the good pieces are in place, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a candidate, OMG, it is life changing. And, you know, the research points to the fact that hormones, uh, you know, prevent Alzheimer's, hormones. And when I say hormones, I'm talking about estrogen and progesterone, but testosterone definitely plays a role too. Um, but hormone replacement also maintains bone density much better than any calcium or vitamin D ever will. And also offsets cardiovascular risk for heart disease. And so it's criminal that women are not given hormones. Men are given testosterone all the time. It's not even an issue. Women are not. They're told by their doctors, you don't need hormones. You're too young. You have to wait to your postmenopausal. No. Why am I going to wait for women to be potentially 10 years? Yeah. Decade. Right. Decade without sleeping, gaining weight, no libido, irritable brain fog. Like Why are we, and and by the way, you know, poor bone density. I mean, I have friends in their 40s who had osteoporosis or osteopenia already. Why are we waiting to do this when it's safe? It's safe for long-term use. It is, the cancer risk is, theory is disproven. That was taken from that piece of uh, doctrine or whatever you call it, rhetoric was, Taken from a women's health initiative study that was done quite a while back, using the urine of pregnant horses for as hormone replacement <laughs> therapy for women, and then uh, the study said, "Oh, these hormones cause cancer." Well, number one, you, that's not really bio identical with a woman's body. Number two, the data was incorrect. So, as of so, imagine all these years. Doctors are handing out pamphlets in their offices to patients saying, yeah, you can't do hormones, it causes cancer, it's synthetic, don't do it, right? And so what happened is in 2018, the North American Menopause Society revised their statement on that paper and said, oops, sorry, the data was not analyzed correctly, the study was flawed, and um, it's perfectly safe hormone for long-term use have been approved. They are safe. They are effective. I treat women in their 70s who anytime they've tried to take themselves off hormones, the hot flashes come right back and the insomnia comes back. And when they are on hormones, they have um, no hot flashes. They sleep. They have vaginal lubrication. Sex is not painful anymore. There isn't the vaginal or uh, uterine prolapse. Mm. Um I mean, it is cheer it's I have the testimonials of many, many women in my book. I call it the Menopause Diaries, and I'm actually doing a series on my Instagram page where I'm featuring stories of women who've gone through menopause and benefit from hormones and, oh, yeah, you know That's there's awesome. even, and you know if and I always get the question, what about cancer? I have a family history of cancer. I can't take hormones, my doctor won't prescribe them. Let me tell you, there are oncologists who prescribe hormone replenishment, because there is a very low to minimal risk of cancer. But what you want to look at is you want to obviously get monitored. Your blood level should be monitored at six to eight weeks after you start. And then mm. every three to four months throughout your treatment ongoing, you should also look at your detoxification pathways. I do this with a Dutch test. I see how someone's methylating. Maybe they need some B vitamins. Mm. Maybe they need, um, you know, some cruciferous, concentrates to help the liver process the hormones and move it out, make sure people are pooping every day. So their hormones are getting detoxed and the trash gets taken out, you know, so you have to take all these pieces
0: into account, but the, the benefits far outweigh the risks. I am so excited to tell you that if you've been sitting on the fence with life coaching, imagine this, you and I working together one-on-one for free, if you are a mom in their late 30s or 40s, finally finding yourself, having the time to think about yourself, then make sure to grab a free mini coaching session with me. If you feel like you're stuck and you are ready for your 40s to be amazing, if that be losing your baby weight, changing jobs, maybe starting a business, working out again, or possibly just building habits that you can feel good about and stick to, then this coaching session is for you. Maybe you're finding yourself spending so much energy thinking, what is next in my life? I have the husband, I have the kids, I have the house, but I still want more. Then this call is for you. Maybe you feel like you're too old and you want to try something different, but you're so scared and you don't know how to take those first steps. This session is for you. And even better, I'm going to give you tactical steps that you can start implementing. The moment we get off our zoom call. So if you're interested in more details, you can DM me at mom inspired living, or if you know, this is something that you've been wanting. Just go ahead and grab a spot at mom inspired forward slash coaching. And if you don't see a date or time that works for you, DM me at mom inspired living, or email me at Amber at mom I can't wait to chat with you guys. Now let's get back into the show. Well, I was going to ask you, okay, so let's talk about the tests that what <laughs> what do women need to, um, what do they need to take? What tests do they need to take to figure out like where they're at, like their, their baseline?
1: Yeah. So I do. Um, well, people can get blood tests done, but your hormones do fluctuate a lot. Your estrogen does fluctuate a lot. And a lot of times that's why doctors say, I'm not going to test your hormones. They're going to fluctuate. They're going to be all over the place, but it does help to take tests. So I do look at blood tests, I also look at urine metabolites or of hormones. And I take samples over the course of about 16 hours, like from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. And then um, that tells me also how your liver is processing your hormones. And I also take a stool test and look at your microbiome and make sure you're not reabsorbing your estrogen through the gut wall and that your liver's working. And, you know, I take a very comprehensive look at your hormones. And I have to say the quality of life for these women who I've been treating even long before I put myself on hormones, Mm -hmm. I was putting other women on and just witnessing the absolute transformations overnight of like, oh, I went from sleeping, not sleeping to totally sleeping within a couple of weeks, like you give someone their sleep, you give them
0: their oh, like, yes. I mean, I mean yeah, on. you ask people who have infants, right? Like, I mean, you oh. just are dying. And so yeah. you get sleep again and you're like, oh, I feel like myself. So yeah, yeah. I can see that. And I wanted to ask you, okay, so you mentioned that like you had to figure out your estrogen and you were taking too much, you were getting breast tenderness. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, like on average, how long does it take for somebody to figure out, like you said, I think you're on hundred MGs of uh, progesterone. Is that mm-hmm. what you said?
1: Yeah. yeah so that how you- I knew worked for me right away. That was not the
0: issue, but right, right.
1: generally, you know, at least three months up to six, it can okay. take to really tweak and adjust your dosages. And that's the beauty of working with bioidentical hormones because it's so easy to adjust the dose. Okay. It's so yeah. easy. And between the doctor and the pharmacist, you have an amazing team like i go back and forth i talk to my doctor and i talk to my pharmacist and i ask important questions and say this is my these are my symptoms what do you see what do you know what do i need to know and of course i read the research i have beautiful big fat resources section with <laughs> all the studies in the book yeah um but it it can take time to tweak um also what women don't realize are the delivery systems can change too, right? So for some women with vaginal dryness, you will see that vaginal estrogen works far better or it can either work better than the patch for the dryness or you use it in conjunction with the patch. Vaginal estrogen is typically very, very low dose. There are studies shown uh, done on breast cancer risk with women using just vaginal estrogen and the blood levels do not increase. Mm. But it's a small amount of localized estrogen because it thickens the vaginal walls and it that also enables your vagina to actually make moisture again so the tissues aren't dry and painful. Now, let's say that you're like, nope, I am absolutely not putting a single drop of hormones in my body. Well, there is vaginal laser rejuvenation therapy. Mm. And again, the treatments are amazing where it's, you know, you have a wand inserted internally. It feels warm for, you know, it's 10 minutes. These treatments can last, you know, a good long time. Um, and you may need more than one, but within a few treatments, you'll see a huge difference. Women say it's restored their sex lives again. Um, no more painful sex. Um, there's lifting and tightening procedures or there's uh, stem cell injections. I mean, there's all sorts of really amazing ways to restore the tissues.
0: Wow. That is, is awesome. Great. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I was going to ask you about, um, what are the best types of hormone replacement therapy? I know you talked about, yeah. you know, people, I think that was the biggest thing. People are like, Oh, you're going to get cancer, 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 cancer. Right. And you <laughs> just talked about that. Um, so we do want to point out that you're not talking about synthetic hormones. You're talking about bio, um, bioidenticals. Totally, thank you. Yes. Um, bio-identicals. So yes. when, what, so what are the best types? Like what are women needing to look for yeah. or, you know, when doctors are wanting to give them something?
1: Yes. So estrogen patch, I like a patch. It's a transdermal patch. It's a little square. You can where do you, stick where on Where do you put it? You can put it on your abdomen. You could put, oh. put it in your thigh. You could put in your shoulder. You could put it on your, you know, your backside. You yeah. can rotate the sites. I always say, but um, it's absorbed uh, continuously. You could swim with it. Shower with it. Um, so it's it's a transdermal. Patch, which is really nice way to absorb it because you don't have to rely on the gut. You don't have to yes. worry about going through the gut and the It Bypasses liver. it. Yeah. It bypasses mm-hmm. it and you can customize and titrate up the dose really gently and easily. Um progesterone, I love trochies, which is like an or it's a waxy tablet.
0: Can you, can you uh spell that what you're saying? Trochee, it's oh.
1: Troche. It's T R O C H E. Okay. The French pronunciation is troche, but Americans oh. call it a troche, which is it, yeah, it makes my ears bleed. But I know it sounds like <laughs> I know. It's
0: I was like, so "What is she saying?" <laughs> bad. Oh, it's so painful. Okay, yeah, so you no. like you. Okay, so you. That's a, is that the brand? Is that what you're saying? No, that's just oh. the type of delivery type. system. Oh, it's like it's a waxy tablet
1: that dissolves under the tongue or between the cheek and the gums. And again, you use it at bedtime. And progesterone is a precursor to GABA, which is this really calming neurotransmitter. So it helps you fall asleep and the estrogen helps you stay asleep. But estrogen is also very energizing, right? So uh, typically, whatever you decide, whenever you want to take your hormones, just take them the same time every day. Just be consistent, right? Okay. So like if you're taking progesterone at night, keep it at night. If you're taking estrogen in the morning, keep it in the morning. Got it. Um, And then testosterone also is a transdermal cream. It just comes with a pump and you rub it on Oh, and they, sorry, let me go back. The estrogen yep. you rub in the insides of your wrists or inside your elbow. The Estrogen or progesterone? The estrogen.
0: Oh, if you don't use the patch, you mean?
1: If you don't use the patch, right. If you're using a cream, you can rub it on your wrists. Thank okay. you for clarifying. Yeah. And then the testosterone is a cream. You can rub it on your inner thighs or your abdomen. Um, and that's just yeah. absorbed through the skin. So all of these are great because they're not, you don't have to go through the gut and you don't have to go through the liver. So it's a lot less burden on your body. Yeah. Especially I was gonna ask, if you're oh, going to be on hormones for like 20 to 30 yes, years. Yes. You really want to make sure it's just the least amount of burden on your body. Yes.
0: I was going to ask you, so do you, what about the pellets? Like people would take pellets? Like, do you believe in those? Like what, what are those? Is that old? like Pellets ways? to me are the devil's work. Okay. Oh. A,
1: There is no, there's not a lot of research on bioidenticals. There's like no research on pellets, number one. Number two, it's a surgical procedure every time. So you're talking risk of infection. Mm. Your butt is going to hurt for days after. It's an incision made in your tush and the pellets are shoved in there. Now, here's the other problem is you cannot regulate the dosage that it says, oh, it's released over time. How are you supposed to control that? Your body is going to absorb as much as it wants, whenever it wants. So your levels get jacked up super high. And then once it, once the level, hormone levels start to fall, then all of a sudden you feel withdrawal, even oh. though your levels are so much higher than your baseline. And so yeah. with hormone replacement, it is about a fifth of the dose of what a birth control is. You don't need the hormones of a 26-year-old. Right. You just need enough to, you know, optimize all the good things we talked about, skin, cognitive function, bone density, you know, you don't need these huge doses. So testosterone, I mean, I can't even believe how high the levels are in people I've seen. And often it's really a money-making, you know, clinic. A lot of clinicians are not trained on the use of this, or they'll say, well, I used it on myself and really liked it. I heard that from one doctor. And the problem is um, that women gain like 10 pounds overnight. Um, they're oh, raging. This? Oh, yes, this is my own patients. I have witnessed and I've said, do not do the pellets. And they're like, Well, my doctor said it was okay, and they convinced me. So then they're like, Boy, did I regret that? And they they gain a lot of weight, they get very ragey um, and irritable and just really don't feel like themselves or they feel amazing and then start to go through the horrible withdrawal. Mm. I'm like, just let it get out of your system and then we'll get you on a cream and a cream. You control the control, the delivery. It's the same dose every day. You know, you're not playing with mother nature. Like don't fool mother nature. It's yeah she's not going to
0: like that. Yeah. Let me ask you about the cream. Okay. So I'm like imagining like you're pumping, but like even yeah. that, how are you getting the same amount of a pump? Like you just think about like, if you're using moisturizer, right? Like I wouldn't yes. be able to tell you that that was the same amount that I used yesterday. And th- and that's not even like, that's not even a big deal where if you're trying to get the same amount every day for hormones, how are you doing that with yeah. a cream?
1: Well, so if you're using like a biased, like a topical cream, yeah, you're given a syringe and you can squeeze oh, out. I got it. Okay. Right, you look at the metrics. You look yes, at the measurements see. on the side, and you'll push up half point oh yeah. five. Okay, so there ml. is a
0: measurement way to do the, of how you're doing it.
1: There's okay. a measurement, or like with the testosterone cream or other creams that I've used, you turn a full click. Oh, so okay. It is like the dispenser will fill up and then you turn it until all the dosage comes out and then it stops.
0: Okay. So if somebody is trying to put you on pellets or maybe they need to call ahead and say, how do you kind of deliver your hormones? And if they say we use pellets, then, then no, we're moving on. Like that is not the place to go.
1: Or you say, what, what other options do you have? I refuse Mm. to do pellets. And most people say, give me a transdermal cream. I mean, what doctor is going to turn, say, they're doing hormones, and they turn you wakes. So you won't do pellets. You you dodged a bullet right yes. there.
0: Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even known that. So because I I heard about that a long time ago, and I just figured that's how most people are doing it. So I'm glad that you kind of pointed that out and and told us. So okay, one thing that you said to me about the pellets, it's it's high or it's hard to figure out. Um, it's hard to control the yeah. rates of absorption. Okay, so with the estrogen patch, like how how is that different in trying to figure out like how that's being absorbed versus say a pellet just to give an idea because I literally have no idea.
1: Well, a patch only has a certain dosage. You can't exceed a certain dosage in the patch. It's finite. There's an upper limit. So, um, And it's absorbed again through the skin slowly but Mm. continuously. Yeah. So what happens is you kind of use up what's on the surface of the patch, and then you change the patch and put another one Uh, on. How
0: many patches do you get generally? So
1: generally, each patch um, is lasts three days.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Where the pellet, what? How long is that supposed to last? Well,
1: that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, many months, like up to six,
0: like three to six. Yeah, so so that's what you're saying. It's like it's it could go really high, and then yeah. you're withdrawing the rest of the time, possibly. Yes. Okay. Okay, that paints me a picture, and and I'm sure other people are trying to figure that out, especially if they're not used to that. Um. Okay. So that's really good to know. The other thing that I wanted to ask, and i say like I could go on about this for two hours. So I'm like, I'm I'm trying to keep this quick. The, but the one thing that I wanted to ask you is, what are some of the symptoms that people would? especially with perimenopause. Um, I was telling you this before we were got on the call that I feel like people who are in their late thirties going into their early forties. I don't think they're necessarily thinking about this. I think they're thinking I won't start having, um, you know, sometimes until closer to 50 something when I go through menopause. And if they haven't listened to my other podcast episodes, because if they have, they would know that that isn't true. But like, what are you noticing the the most common with perimenopause?
1: Um, definitely a decrease in sleep quality, um, not feeling as rested, feeling more mm-hmm. tired, um, your periods, you can skip a period, you could skip many periods. Um, also, your periods can become much heavier and have a lot more clots. This is a sign that your progesterone is falling Mm. and your estrogen, you do get estrogen surges. And so it's a great time to say, Hey, you know what I may, I should definitely get my progesterone checked and see, uh, if it's time, if it's just declining, you can start trying to get it up using some chase tree or Vitex. Um, and you can use that the second half of your cycle if you want, or, you can start to use some topical progesterone cream or even oral. um, If you're late stage perimenopause, like the the last two weeks of your cycle for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And also to have you noticed with people like their cycle time changes, like maybe they are like, I used to be 28 days all the time. And now they're like 26 or they're 29, like whatever it is. Like that changes.
1: Yes. Your cycles can either get shorter um, again, because your your progesterone is, is going down or they can get longer yeah. when your estrogen starts to fall too.
0: Wow. Okay. So anything else? I mean, when does the, you know, I think everybody thinks, oh, when I start having hot flashes, that's when I'll know. But I don't, I think that probably happens closer to menopause, would you say? so? They may, So you might be experiencing all these other symptoms, not even realizing you're in peri- perimenopause if you're just looking for hot flashes or right. do people get that in their early 40s though?
1: There is no one time for everybody. I mean, mm. the average age for menopause is 51, but yeah. you wanna look at your mom, you, you know, what she went through. Um, but you also, you know, something people don't even pay attention to is stress. And, yes. you know, most women in perimenopause and menopause have teenage kids Yep. and aging parents at mm-hmm. the same time and buckle up big yep. and we're also our careers are soaring at the same time it's like <laughs> yes so, i know so it's a lot you know, yeah stress it, stress drives hormones from the top down so your brain starts to signal to your ovaries and uterus and say you know what now is not a real great time to carry a baby so show's going to wrap up soon <laughs>
0: Right, and we're done, <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> applause,
1: applause. Oh. So, um, so yeah, so all mm. of those things kind of come into play, wow. but and it can be slow. Uh, also, mental health issues arise, and this is something oh. people don't talk about is the massive anxiety, depression. There are suicidal thoughts that also happen because, guess what, your brain biochemistry changes without progesterone and estrogen, oh. and progesterone wow. is.
0: Very calming. It's kind of that mm-hmm. chill hormone. Yep. And estrogen's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's go. Let's party. And my, my I have a funny thing. My acupunctures always say, Your progesterone's like a kitty and your estrogen's like a tiger. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd love that. Yeah, she's like meow and then she's like, ah <laughs> and then <it> always like <laughs> out to me. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. But without those two
1: hormones kind of working synergistically and testosterone yeah. too, you can really suffer from yes. yep. anxiety. You could suffer from, you know, mm. some palpitations. Wow. Uh, okay. It's
0: definitely. Definitely depression. Yeah. Gonna, okay. So with the testosterone, do you notice, I know you might say this is different for everyone, but do you notice the testosterone tends to start declining? Later in your forties, or or do you notice that happening? It doesn't matter. Like I'm just wondering. Like, do you notice if like progesterone's kind of the first one to go, yeah. and then okay, so it is it, there is like an order that you but generally notice. Generally, yes. Yeah. I
1: don't see like low testosterone is rare. I I see it. I see it, but it's it is the last to okay. drop. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's or it's later stages when sure. estrogens. When the party's really over and estrogen's consistently <laughs> oh. low and no longer surging, then yeah. testosterone okay. tends to follow suit.
0: Let me but ask again. You, oh, it's going to
1: be different. Yes. Yeah.
0: With progesterone, someone starts taking the cream or the um that French word that I don't want to like Trokey. make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're saying turkey. Like if that's why I was like, wait, I need you to spell this. Um. So if someone was taking this and they're cycle was off and they're just grumpy or they're not sleeping well or whatever. Um, how long do you feel like it takes for them to notice like their cycle kind of evening back, even yeah, evening, like they're even, (laughs) that doesn't, it's like, it sounds like I'm saying evening, but it's like leveling out. That's a better word. And so that like that you notice you're starting to sleep a little bit better or your cycle's not so wonky. Um, like, how long are you thinking that people really kind of need to give it that, like, go before they're like, okay, this isn't working. What uh, is not working What are your thoughts on that?
1: Give it at least one to three months, at least okay, three yeah. seems to be the magic number. You, oh, mm-hmm. you could start sleeping better right away, but your cycles may not, <clears throat> you know, readjust until a good three months. But, and, you know, for women who are wondering like, oh, well, okay, I've started my full bioidentical hormone replacement like how long does that take before my body really levels out mm. and it is at least i say give it 6 months to a year sometimes yeah. a year and a half like give your body time and your body composition time to like start burning fat releasing some of that weight mm. you know it's it's very disruptive it's an upheaval and many women gain what they feel like is 10 to 20 even mm-hmm. 30 pounds overnight but <clears throat> once you start replenishing hormones slowly and surely and you adjust your diet and things become more stable then the weight does come off. Pe- Perimenopausal uh, postmenopausal weight loss is a very real thing and very possible and I see it all the time. I help mm. my clients lose that pot So, it really does work. So like don't give up hope and feel like, "Oh my yeah. god, I, this is here to stay. Now this is my new life." It's not buy some comfier clothes in the meantime while you transition and you'll, you'll get back into your old pants again really well.
0: Well, we're almost at the end, but I did want to, (laughs) I wanted to ask you, so how do you know, let's just use the um, progesterone for like, for simple reasons. Okay. How do you know if it just is needing to take time in your body to make it work or that you need actually more?
1: Well, again, I have to look at your baseline of where it is Um, and I do go by symptoms, right? So if somebody comes to me in perimenopause, Mm -hmm. again, I might, you know, really work on their adrenals first and get their adaptogen, get them on some adaptogenic herbs that are going to manage stress and calm their cortisol down so their progesterone can come up and they can have a more robust cycle. So, you know, things like holy basil are great. Ashwagandha is wonderful. Uh, rhodiola. These are all like really great herbs to help your body handle stress more and chase tree or vitex, as I mentioned. Then after a couple cycles, I kind of watch people and say, what are your cycles like? Are your cycles changing? Are you still getting, you know, are you massively leaking through your tampons and pads and having these hemorrhagic periods or are like things quiet and slowing down? Also, I get a lot of women I treat who get migraines, and I look and see if their migraines are better, right? Mm, And maybe I'll put them on some DIM or calcium deglucurate to kind of detox estrogen as we bring their progesterone up, right? If they're not feeling better and things aren't improving within, you know, three, four months, then I will say, okay, let's revisit this. And then we'll start talking about, you know, oral progesterone um, you know, at that stage or progesterone troche, And I obviously we partner with their doctors, yeah. but, um, you know, you'll, you'll see if your body's working or not, but again, you also, you can't out hormone your lifestyle, right? So oh, if right. you are, yeah. are doing all these things, right, you're still drinking a ton of booze and you're drinking a ton of coffee and you're, you're staying extra, up late, yeah, staying up mm-hmm. late, all that blue light, all that stress, and you're not, um, and you're not eating well, you're not, you're eating a lot of sugar and not yes. enough protein, you know, no amount of hormones you take whatever right. correct yeah. what you're putting yeah. in your body. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the biggest factor, right. I can get women sleeping just by saying, yeah, don't take your iPad to bed and read that until the minute you go to sleep. Yeah. Like, dim the right. light. don't be on a screen.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be
1: cream, read an old fashioned library book, a trashy magazine out, talk on the phone, but like no blue light. Okay. Yeah. And then that, and and when you have a clock next to your bed, make sure it's battery operated. And like, there's no lights in your bedroom, get blackout shades or wear a sleep mask, put in earplugs. If you want Run a fan or a white noise machine, you know, yes, making those yeah. changes alone can improve someone's sleep. Sometimes it's not the progesterone deficiency, that's your problem. Sometimes oh, it's just
0: lifestyle. brain. Lifestyle, what you're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And your brain can't signal to make melatonin. It's very confused with all these bright lights. So sometimes it's just the simple lifestyle and stress management. I get my clients meditating, you know, I'm like, come on guys, like you got to breathe. I do trauma support work too. Uh, Cause that's also really important you know, trauma really. Yeah. It's the fight or flight response. Yes. Like, right.
0: And it messes it. up your adrenals, right? Um, it does. Yes. So, okay. So let me end on this question. You, you go see a doctor, you're like working on stuff. Do you generally see that doctor twice a year? Like once you're on like a, a pattern here? Like, or are you saying like, no, you do need to go in every three months yeah, or every I'd four months or something?
1: Yeah. Every three to four months, mm. you got to get your blood drawn. You got to get them checked. Just understand you've got to Where really get in yeah. a good groove. Don't just get on hormones and then never see your doctor again. That would be silly. No, uh, no, no right. Yeah. your but, dosages just may change also, yes. especially yeah. if you go, if you start in perimenopause your dosage are probably going to change once you hit menopause. You'll be like, all right, it's time to ramp up. Or for those of you listening who were doctors, put them on the pill or the IUD and perimenopause, right? You're going to need to switch to bioidenticals once you hit full menopause because those Mm. are just suppressing ovulation and suppressing your hormones. You're going to need to go to a replenishment uh, system. Yeah. I love that.
0: Is there anything else that you want to add Esther before we end that you, you want to make sure that they hear or have you hit everything? Yeah.
1: Um, no, I want to add this is that your exercise is going to also change during perimenopause. You may find that, you know, if you are a big runner and you love to run on the treadmill, you love to do these high intensity spin classes and high intensity cardio, you know, um, and like CrossFit, that your body may not feel as resilient and your recovery may be a lot more poor once you hit peri peri and menopause because your adrenals are now, in addition to handling your cortisol, they are also the primary source of your hormone production. So got to really be very gentle on your body. Do lots of walking, restorative yoga, swimming, stretching, Pilates, And then add in strength training to build muscle and support bone density. Um, You don't have to do these high intensity uh, cardio, Mm -hmm. really raise and wreck your cortisol and wreck your sleep in return. You know, just shift, give yourself permission. And believe me, you're talking to a girl who ran marathon and used to be an avid, avid runner. And I just really traded that for because I was like, oh, I'm never gonna get my endorphin rush again. Mm. I I still do spin classes, but short, like 20 minutes at most, with a couple of good hard sprints, and that's it. And then I move on to weights and yep. long walks. Yeah. And my weight has been the same. My body's shifted a little bit. My waistline's definitely thicker, but my weight is the same. And so I'm like, this is working for my body right yes, now. Yes, I agree. Um, but I see it in my clients. This is not my own personal bias. This oh, is yeah. what the research points yep. you to. So I agree. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I, I've dealt with adrenal issues. So I've had to learn that head exercises, my body does not love it. And I go to a boot camp, but I generally do strength training days. And people be like, Where were you? I'm like, Oh, well, I don't really do the cardio days. I, I'll do stuff on the treadmill at my own pace. But I find when we start doing that, like, It's intense. And then I feel exhausted. And I would hear so many people say, Oh, I need to take a nap today. And I'm like, It's because you're doing such a hard workout. I'm like, You shouldn't be feeling exhausted after working out. And that's how I knew I'm like, Oh, my body is is like, I don't like doing this. Like, this is not helping (laughs) you.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And especially if you're really struggling with insomnia, like, you're just not going to have gas in the tank. So Mm. go easy. Give yourself permission. You're actually, lowering your cortisol by walking and you're actually improving the rate at which you burn body fat. So you really, the restorative exercise is just the best thing you can do and getting out in nature. I mean, come on, it's nothing better.
0: I love it. All right. Well, Esther, I, I love this topic. I mean, really. And and so I could just keep talking, but I need to cut myself off. So um, (laughs) I thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was so great speaking with you.
1: Thank you. You too. And please listeners go find me on Instagram at gorgeous Esther and it. stay tuned for my book. See you later. I'll be later. And, um, yeah, stay in touch guys. Cause I help women like you all
0: the time, all day, every day. Perfect. I will put this in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, I would love for you to tag me at Mom Inspired Living on IG Stories so I can personally thank you for sharing this. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week.